ready to see me? You told them? Of course I told them. I... I haven't given an answer yet. I... Say yes. But I... Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Just say it. <laughs> really? Why? Because we know you, and knowing you, we'd all follow you anywhere. Saru made the right choice. Welcome, everybody, to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike. I am one of your hosts. And with me is my co-host, Johnson. Johnson, how are you doing today? I think I'm doing okay, given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah I'm lots, doing all right. A lot's ha- happened and happening. Today was a interesting day for you. Interesting day, yes, for uh, our fans who are listening. Today was my dad's funeral service. So I buried my father. Um, I guess that's an update since the last time we had a podcast episode. Yes. So my dad passed away a week and a half ago. Um, It wasn't too unexpected. Um, We kind of saw it coming. There was some deliberation about it. Um, But just due to scheduling, we didn't uh, bury him until uh, a week and a half later. Um, And I know we're not dropping by Deanna's office right this second. Uh, but I'll just go ahead and share that, that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I was a little sad about it, but at the same time, he was very old. He was 96. So it wasn't like he died in his prime, you know, it's still, you know, death is still a sad thing, but at the end of the day, he lived a very full life. Um, so yeah, I think that if anything, I was just like very, I was very cold at, because the funeral is outdoors. It was at the cemetery. Uh, it was like, I was very cold. I had to pee. There were all the bodily function issues, you know? Um, so I was kind of like, let's get those over with. Let's get those over with. Um, there were a few speakers. I didn't say anything, but my mom decided to say something in the last minute. And I was like, oh my God, this is like going to lengthen the ceremony. Um, so she went on. I was like, oh God. Um, but yeah, then it was over. And then I had to say hi to all the people that I haven't seen in like 20 years. And they were like, do you remember me? I'm like, absolutely not. I do not remember you because it's been 20 years since I've seen you and we're all older now. And I don't know who you are. And you're wearing a mask. That doesn't help anything. Um, so there was some, you know, greetings, like condolences, et cetera. But it was, it was fine. It was fine. So that was my day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously... You know, we've been here for you and you've been here for us because Dennis's yes. mom passed away earlier this month. So it's been a uh, dramatic month. It has been a lot. To say the least. Um, but as but hey, uh, the guy that was driving the hearse was very cute. So 
Yeah, I sent you guys photos. I took like, yes. these like surreptitious pictures. Um, it was probably like not exactly appropriate, but I was like, ooh, he's, you know, he's very attractive, but he was also like probably 25 and he was a smoker, which is a total deal breaker. Um, right. So yeah, that was too bad. But I sent his photo around to people. You did, yes. I did. I did. <laughs> like at the cemetery. It was like him, a nice photo of him, and like all these tombstones. So, you know, very sexy. Saturday, yes. you know? Well, I mean, given that, you know, tombstones and uh, coffins and um, uh, skeletons are your favorite emojis, yes, it seems seems appropriate. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Appropriate. Um, but yeah, so it's it's uh, been an interesting day for you. I know. Well, it's been an interesting couple of yeah, weeks. A really. couple of weeks, really. Yeah. A lot happening. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And we can talk to Deanna later if we want to a little bit. But that was just a brief update. Brief life update. Yeah. So shall we spill some truck on Discovery? Yeah, let's get into it. The scarcity of dilithium was caused in part by the sheer size of the Federation. To solve that problem, it stretched member worlds beyond capacity and comfort. In its desire to serve the many, the Federation ignored the needs of the few. So let's get into spilling the trek on Unification Part 3. And here's the summary from CBS All Access. While grappling with the fallout of her recent actions and what her future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate about releasing the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable burn data. So we were excited, you know, when when you saw, when you shared with me the name of the episode in the future called Unification 3, we immediately mm-hmm. knew we were going to go back to Vulcan or it would have something to do with the Vulcans. Yes. We had postulated that maybe they were an enemy of the Federation, um, which is sort of half right. Not enemy, but definitely not. They're not part of the Federation anymore. Not on the best of terms. Uh, they are They are on the planet Navarre now, uh, not Vulcan, not called Vulcan anymore. And they have a president, to Tarina. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what are, you, what are your overall thoughts about Unification 3 first? And then we'll kind of deep dive into more, more specific yeah, so I overall I loved this episode. I thought that it it tied so many things together from past and present, um, and not only from discovery but from Star Trek history. It just did such a good job, um, you know, tying Michael's past into their current predicament into the you know one of the things that i was very interested in before we you know when we were talking previewing discovery season three was the current uh you know understanding the current social political climate and understanding how everything was now that we are skipping skipping like a thousand years into the future and this did a really great job i really love um president Tarina actually because she gave a different side of a different perspective on the federation that was less than ideal, right? It was like, it's, it's a gray area where, you know, when she was, she, she and Saru were talking about, um, you know, why Vulcan or Navarre left the Federation where basically the Federation based, you know, became too big and that the Federation um, started to focus on too many different things where they were starting to 
basically ignore the needs of the few. I thought that was so interesting. I really liked that. I thought the actress that played her was really great too. Um, but we can talk about it in a little bit. But overall, I just thought that um, it did a great, you know, did an awesome job pulling Spock back, Spock's story back into the picture and all those little Easter eggs, whether it was, you know, the call to Picard, um, the call out to the Quan Malat, um, things like that. Um, obviously the little clip from Unification 2, like all those little things, it just did such a great job. There were just, it was like, it was a lot of fan service. I, I totally, uh, yes, I, I totally admit that this was a very fan service episode, but at the same time, it just tied so many different things together and it pushed the plot forward that I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, but what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed rewatching it today before we, we talked just because uh, it had been a while. Obviously, it's been a few episodes since then. Uh, and it, it would definitely be something that I would go back and watch again, just because the, you know, and Kirsten Beyer did a great job of writing this episode. So I think that is also why, yeah, exactly. you know, a veteran Star Trek writer mm-hmm. doing service to the Vulcan slash, you know, Navarre story. I love that it did, you know, it brought in one of the founding members of the Federation. You know, we, yeah. we, we had a lot of questions about what the Federation was like now. And we have a little bit, we have a, I would say a more 3D picture of it. Because mm-hmm. so far, all we've really gotten is uh, from, you know, the Admiral's kind of stance that, you know, the Starfleet stance on all of this. And so it was interesting to see that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um it was interesting to watch the dynamics between Saru and Michael. Now that their relationship has changed. Uh, it was interesting to see Tilly, um, Tilly's interactions with the characters in this episode as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot I like of gr- that scene between Tilly and Michael where Tilly was yes. like, you left me, you, you put me in a really bad place. Yeah. And I feel season one, Tilly wouldn't have even brought it up. And I think it's really great that we've seen this evolution of a character where she yeah. with it is like, you know, she's willing to um, basically talk about grievances, you know, that we wouldn't have seen that a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I wrote that down as one of my favorite parts of the episode. Uh, but there are a lot of a uh, lot of great little scenes in this this episode. It's just so well written. And I, and, you know, I think I think it had to have been written by Kirsten because it's such a complex episode and she's so such a great writer and has such a great history with Star Trek I feel like a lot of the writers on the show are a lot newer uh, to Star Trek Uh, and you know Erica and Bowie are two two rising stars in that they've written some great episodes but I'm glad that this one came from her and I think that it was just a lot of great little scenes between mm-hmm. between characters here a lot and and the camera work and i forget who who directed this episode but uh a lot of great direction a lot of great shots of of characters and at different scene you know at different scenes so i just felt like it was a really well layered episode moves the story forward in a lot mm-hmm. of different things answers some questions that we probably we had kind of forgot about like, where's Michael's mom? Right. Uh, I did know, not expect that. 
Yeah. No, I didn't either. Uh, a lot of Easter eggs, like you said. So just a really great episode. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, I think the the way that it wraps up, uh, certainly the uh, Talca, what, Tal and Ket, uh, the way that that wraps up is um, is really good. Uh, you know, another another powerful speech from Burnham in that uh but a lot of great acting like the di- just the 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 converse the the conversations between characters was well well written and so i mean you know if anybody you know the actors did a wonderful job with this but honestly the material was a plus material and so this is definitely one of the best episodes of the season i think uh and one that i enjoyed the most but let's dig into it a little bit more and uh kind of talk a little bit about what are some of our favorite parts of this. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, for me, like, like you brought up and just to kind of, I want to dig deeper into this, just the whole conversation with Tilly and Michael, as she kind of walks in, you kind of, you see a very humbled Michael mm-hmm. and kind of, you actually see a very remorseful Michael, but, and then you see, and on the other side of that table, you see a very strong, determined mature Tilly that just lays it out and basically says it should have been my choice not yours right and uh honestly like that's that is probably one of the best examples of how friendships should be Mm -hmm. uh if you want a template for how friends should treat one another and talk to one another this would be it between Tilly and and Burnham uh you obviously we have and they can have this not only is it well written by Kirsten but I think it's you they can have it because they've earned it right we've we've followed these two characters through three two and a half seasons they've really built up this relationship Mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's 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 a huge payoff and it just it actually um it actually watching this again, it made me feel better about the next scene, which was when Tilly met Saru and Saru basically Captain Saru uh, basically offers her the, the first officership and um, as a temporary. Oh, yeah. I forgot that happened in this episode. Yeah. Too. So and I'm pretty lot. sure it okay. happened at, you know, I think it, I'm pretty sure it happened uh, after this conversation with, Tilly and Michael so I I feel like now I feel like that's a almost now looking at it through a little bit you know I've, it's been several weeks since this episode aired I just feel like wow this actually proves why you know why Saru offered her this promotion and uh so I felt really good about that and so I think that you know again the the you know Mary Wiseman is phenomenal in this episode so good she is like such a star honestly um and she frequently has these like really quiet conversations that i think um you know like they're just really good character development conversations and moments that she just sells so well um and i feel that we talk about a lot of these tilly scenes um, and I think we frequently forget how much of it is just Mary Wiseman selling it 
um, because she, I don't know what it is. Like she's just like so genuine in the way that she performs in the role. And she just has, you know, she just does both the silly, you know, silly, funny, but then also just the heartfelt and, um, you know, the, the heartfelt and genuine moments so well and so naturally that, you know, you just forget that this is like just, you know, she's just selling it. You know, she, this is her acting that is making this scene happen. Um, and yeah, this is the scene, which is so great. And a lot of it is just really on Mary Wiseman's part. Um, and obviously, like yeah. you're saying, their dynamic is they've really have built this friendship, I think, both like in real life as well as on set that, you know, we we really see that come through in moments like these. Yeah, definitely. And and she is such a great actress and uh, it's a, it's a, you know, she does a great job and, and, and it gets even better later on this season, you know, in watching Terra Firma. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, so, it, you know, you get, you get to see all of these sides to Tilly, to Mary Wiseman, to Captain Killy, like just all of these great, she's so versatile. She plays, you know, each, each moment of her acting is special. It's unique. It's just beautiful. And, and I have to say that, uh, you know, as much as I love Michael Burnham, as much as I like Michelle, lo- actually not like I, as much as I love Michelle Yeoh, uh-huh. I actually sort of starting a, a little bit of a crush on Mary Wiseman and, uh, I think actually she might be the funnest person to meet at a, at a Star Trek convention. Uh, yeah, I mean the thing about you know Philippa and Michael is that they have these um, soapbox moments, right? Like they you they they have these like diatribes sometimes, but Telly doesn't really have those moments. You know, a lot of her moments are just like these like conversations. Um, so I think. It's sometimes I think it's actually easier for you to have the soliloquy and for you to like, you know, have this like really meaty dialogue to work with. That's just you talking for three minutes, three or five minutes versus, um, you know, oftentimes until the situation, she does not have moments like that. It's just like she is able to sell the conversation just through um, her tone, her, her facial language, her body language, things like that. Um, she just does it so well. I think that's the thing that Mary Wiseman does so well. Even you know, she just works really well with the material that she's given, um, and that's why she's such a star. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I'm I'm actually a little worried because I'm you know I'm thinking about how quiet uh, the crew has been filming season four, and I don't think that you know, we've heard a lot from Mary Wiseman, uh, obviously Michael, uh, Sinequa Martin green and Doug Jones have both kind of reported for duty and, and shared on their Instagrams that they're back. But you know, the other, the rest of the cast really has been quite quiet. And oh, so I am tracking that. Uh, I'm not really actively tracking, but just thinking about what's kind of popped into my feed oh. over the last several, you know, weeks. I, I It's very possible given all that's happened over the last, two months that I might have missed it but uh you know I've seen Emily Coots who's also phenomenal in uh in the next episode uh in the next couple of episodes actually uh Emily Coots Detmer 
Uh, oh, okay. Uh, you know, so she, <laughs> uh, she's post. She's uh, she's been posting. Actually, a lot of them have just been posting about season three. So oh, okay, okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so we we're, we're both big fan fan crush. We both have crushes on uh, on Mary Wiseman. Um, but also just a quick throwback to or something else, a little Easter egg in this this scene with Michael and. Tilly is the mention of the USS Yelchin, which I thought was really right. Uh, I didn't even notice nice... that on my first watch, and then mm. I was on my sec on my rewatch. I was like, "Oh yes, yes, yeah, I, yeah." Um, I missed it the first time too. I think I I heard someone mention it, and so yeah, I thought that was a really nice callback and call out to uh, Anton Yelchin, who who mm-hmm. obviously passed away after filming uh, Star Trek Beyond. So yeah which is really sad. Uh, so, yeah. So what, what scene comes up next that's kind of sticks out for you after that? You know, obviously we have the, the scene with Saru and, and Tilly, which is fine. You know, it's there. It's interesting. Well, um, I think for me, it's definitely President Tarina. I thought that she, I don't know who the actress was that played her, but she did a great job. Um, she just had presence you know how she had gravitas you can believe that she was literally the president of this planet um and uh she even though she was you know she's just a guest actress she just brought so much to that role and you really saw her as a three-dimensional character you could tell that you know like michael put her in a bad spot she wasn't pleased about it um at the same time you know she uh, was able to give us this background on why Vulcan slash Navarre left the Federation. And you could see how Saru and Michael's, you know, how their presence kind of caused her to change her mind and caused her to, you could you see her, like you could see like the wheels turning in her head. And, and she didn't even have to say everything and anything, right? No. So I just thought the actress did a great job in the role where even though, you know, again, she's just on this for, for one episode, uh, she really was able to flesh out this character. And I love the background and, you know, the whole scene where uh, Tarina was talking to Saru and, um, you know, she was basically, like, yeah, the Federation basically ignored the needs of the few in favor of the many and then Saru was like wait isn't one of your maxims like I (laughs) what is it the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or whatever and then she was like well you know we had a we we've we've had a chance to kind of reevaluate you know like idioms and maxims that we used to hold on to and like I thought that was so interesting um and that again that different perspective of how the federation and it makes sense like the if the federation got too big you know that they started to just ignore especially these uh you know these key planets that started the federation you know where earth and vulcan both basically are like bye see you later um you know obviously the federation um has a lot to um you know, there, there's a lot that needs to be recovered. It's, you know, if they, even like these core planets have decided that it was time to go, you know? So I thought that 
all the scenes with Tarina or Bray. So Tarina was played by Tara Rosling. And I agree with you. She did an awesome job. She had a lot of gravitas, like you said. So uh, throughout the whole episode, and there was obviously this interesting dynamic between her and Saru. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are taking that as uh, romantic interest. What? I have not. Yeah, I heard that. I, I don't. I don't know about that. But I, uh, I thought there that. was some very mutual um, liking of one another. That yeah, uh, you know, yeah. It seemed just like respect, and yeah, yeah they, they seem to like each other. Yeah. So great. So then we we get the arrival of the quorum and. Uh, you know, one of our questions that you and I talked about offline is why are they still using the transporter room? Like everybody has personal transporter rooms now, but whatever. Um, So we we see them come aboard. She basically tells Michael to be honest and then, you know, drops that the Quat Malat will be kind of adjudicating this whole process. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and lo and behold, so one, you hear that name and you're like, Picard, you know, yeah, like you get excited, Picard like callbacks. Yeah. So, so some great, yeah. yeah, some great Picard callouts there. And uh, suddenly this figure arrives and it, it is to be, dramatically revealed. Yes. Like, right. Like, who, yes. Who travels with the, the veil down. But I, I think even her mom is a bit dramatic and did this. And so it's, <laughs> It's uh, did it on purpose. And so we are reunited with Gabrielle Burnham, uh, who Michael has searched for on kind of on the side, as well as picking up burn data and trying to figure out what what's happened in this year that she was all by herself with book. Uh, she was also looking for her mom. And here we here we are. Uh, her mom is uh, a quat malat. So uh, very interesting development there. You know, a, a nice reunion, right? Uh, I did of, not expect that. No, I was like out of left field. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, huge, huge props to Kristen Bayer for this episode. Kirsten Bayer, sorry, uh, just huge props. So that we have that and their conversation, and and it's just great because she really digs into Michael and realizes what's kind of going on with Michael, right? So. She can see that Michael is ill at ease, kind of makes a lot of assumptions, some of which seem a logical jump, but she kind of like assumes she understood what Michael's been through the last year and suddenly, you know, pieces it all together. Uh, And then we get into the whole Takal Inket ritual, which... uh, was uh, fascinating to coin a term uh, mm-hmm. that was used. Um, although we do, we do, uh, we did skip over the kind of, we did mention it earlier on, but the whole scene where Michael goes back to her quarters and s- looks up Ambassador Spock and sees, yeah, sees that scene. And, you know, it's, wow, just to hear Leonard. I was like, oh my God, voice. I felt, I felt something like, did a, you? Yeah. Was, Your oh. heart grew in size three <laughs> three sizes when you heard uh, Spock's voice. That was uh, great. That was uh, so good. Yeah, really great. And obviously, uh, you know, one of the things about this episode too is uh, Michael and Books kind of talks 
And, uh, you know, when they were in bed after they made love, they, you know, there was this whole conversation about Michael's messianic complex and um, about her brother uh, later on and, you know, all these overachievers. So just kind of funny little quips that I liked about like the book made, but also very, very on the, on the spot, on the point uh, made the point about uh, Burnham's character. And she does kind of have this need to, and her mom even says her need to insinuate herself into these grand things, um, including figuring out the burn and trying to restore the Federation, which, um, it seems like almost like a to 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 coin a phrase a god given like that sort of level of um, mission that she's been given that she just decides right. she has to do these big huge things like it's up to her to re- like we have to restore the federation but really what she's basically saying is I have to restore the Federation and uh well do you think that there's truth to what Gabrielle was saying during the conquet where I mean she was obviously provoking Michael to tell the truth um but she was also she also said to what to when she was doing that she also said that due to Michael being abandoned and orphaned that she has basically this hole that she needs to fill and that to do that that's why she insinuates herself into these situations and takes on these responsibilities because there is this emotional hole like i don't know i don't i mean that wasn't resolved like they didn't really say if that's true or false i do think there might be a tinge of truth to that um but i don't know if it's like absolutely true or yeah, she was i don't know either provoking michael to you know right. just get on with it you know, I was just thinking, I wish I had a lifeline to someone who was a Star Trek fan and a psychologist and could, you know, kind of comment on that, but we don't. Uh, but it would be really interesting to see, some, you know, have a, a psychologist who is a fan of Star Trek kind of say, you know what, this is actually kind of accurate. Or, you know, no, most people who have this kind of loss early on life don't really kind of go to to the extremes at Burnham house. So I don't really know, but it, you know, I, I think to some extent it was provoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact that, you know, this whole idea of absolute candor coming back into, you know, we, we only got a small taste of it in Picard. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, uh, I think it's partly provoking, but again, the, 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 the dialogue in this, in these scenes is just, so well written. Well, I was like legit um, uncomfortable, like during some of these scenes, because you would think that Gabrielle would kind of help Burnham, but she instead kind of threw Burnham under the, the Michael rather, under the bus um, to kind of get her to just, you know, open up. Um, and Man, that's know, the Michael- cool. Oh, good. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, to Michael's point later, she was like, oh, you picked a great time to like give parenting advice. I don't know if she needs to do that right, basically, in court. Um, I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I don't know. If, I mean, I was legit uncomfortable. I was like, this is awkward. Like, you know, she, like you're supposed to be our advocate and you're like, you're like 
giving her life lessons right now or trying to get her to open up right this moment. Um, but I mean, ultimately, it, it, it got her, it got Michael to where she needed to be um, in order to get the sphere data. Oh, not yeah. the sphere data. Oh my God. Get the SB19 data or whatever. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I think, I think it's the Kwatmalat training. And it's just the way of life, this life of absolute candor. So I, I think it was, I think that was her purpose. And I think she I don't was, know, she, but I get it. But I don't know if she needed to do it like right in court. It's like, oh, you're like, you know, you're basically like, it's basically your lawyer being like, you know, basically throwing you under the bus. Yeah, but it's also, awkward. so, she, you know, Gabrielle had the role of both being the advocate for Michael, but also kind of the advocate for the ceremony itself. Right, so right. Tarina does say that the Quatmalat now are required for all discussions that that kind of, requ- you know, these kind of discussions, not only the scientific ones, but I would imagine they are inserted politically mm-hmm. discussions and things like that. So I think that that is the what the Quatmalat do. So she straddles the line between the ad- being the advocate for Michael, but also being the advocate for the whole courtroom drama type yeah she's sort of the judge she's playing both the advocate for michael and the judge of the whole thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it's a, it, you know it's an interesting balance and i think that that you know everything that we know whether you've read any of the picard if you've read the picard novel where you get a lot more of this or you know or even what little we do get from the from the from the picard series itself you know this absolute candor is just it's a, you know, there's no bullshit allowed. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that, I think it was perfectly, uh, perfectly done. I mean, it was really, you know, it, yeah, I think it was meant to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But, no, but it was else, effective. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I was, it was just effective. like, this is a little uncomfortable. I'm I would have liked some it. shots of like the Vulcan, you know, the, the main Vulcan, like, maybe doing an eye, you know, like a Spock eye raise or even, you know, a, a reaction shot from one of the other two Romulan people on this quorum. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, it was uncomfortable and I was okay with it. Cause I, you know, I kind of saw what she was trying to do and all, you know, you know, honestly, like Michael likes the hard way, like Michael, you know, I think, breaking down Michael was part of the process. Like part yeah. of the reason why she was there, she had kind of got stuck in her head. She didn't feel like she fit in anymore. Yeah. All of these things. And, you know, before at the beginning of the episode, she thought she was going to leave. Right. And at the end, she's like, no, I'm staying. So it's, yeah. you know, it's definitely a transformative episode. And I think that, you know, Gabrielle has a lot to do with that. Um and Michael takes the lesson in the middle of this courtroom and immediately applies it and basically sees what this is all causing the dissension in, in the ranks essentially, mm-hmm. and basically calls it off and says, I don't want your data. I'll trust you. And we'll share, we'll share the data with you first, which wins obviously the heart of Tarina yeah. um, by that. So, you know, I think, I think one of the things I love about Michael is she she learns the hard way, but then she applies it. 
you know, you don't, she doesn't, mm. she doesn't F up so much that, you know, and then get, she got a little bit down afterwards, but, you know, in the end, in reality, um, she took action on it right away and realized that right. what her actions were doing were, were going to tear apart her brother's work, lifetime of work. So, uh, so I thought that was a, but I really enjoyed this like courtroom drama, this, mm-hmm. because it was, it was, it was watching these evolved Vulcans slash Romulans. I don't, you know, they, they're still kind of called Vulcans and Romulans, interestingly enough, even though they renamed the planet. So Navarians, I guess would be, you know, one way to refer to them now, but um, I don't, they don't really do that. There's still this division between the two, two um, factions, but so I thought it was a really powerful scene. And again, Kristen Beyer did a wonderful job with that. Um, and then, we, you know, we we see Michael get the data from her mom and that whole scene. Mm-hmm. And then her mom saying, no, I'm leaving. And then we get to go back to the Discovery crew, which is actually also just a great, like, great scene after great scene. Like, honestly, like, this episode really was rocking in all, all levels. So we- Are you talking about, like, the Tilly scene? Yeah, so yeah, we go from Michael's scene to Tilly's scene, Mm -hmm. and she walks into the engineering deck, and all of the bridge crew are there with Stamets. And uh, what a powerful moment that was! I thought that was actually even more emotional for me. I think that was more powerful for me. Oh, really? I thought it was kind of cheesy. No, I I thought, (laughs) wow, I, you know, I did not think it was cheesy at all. I thought it was really powerful. I thought, you know, if you ever wanted, if you ever wanted to know what your friends thought of you, that was the moment. And they all were just encouraging. And, you know, this bridge crew is just awesome. I mean, I really love that we're starting to get to see more of them. And I hope that by kind of and I've said this before, as we kind of slough off some of the extra characters that we've brought along as tagalongs, like last week we got rid of, or two weeks ago, we got rid of uh, Commander Non. In a couple of weeks, we're seeing, saying goodbye to George O. We're just kind of, we're getting down to the point where we're going to start seeing, hopefully, some more uh, focus on these bridge crew. So it's just great to see all of them there and affirming Tilly's decision and and the fact that Stamets did this mm-hmm. uh, it kind of engineered this whole thing was really great. So I thought yeah. that was a really powerful scene and um, humorous too. And you know, just everything about that scene was really great. I mean, obviously Tilly did a great job, but it was great to see all those people supporting her. And so yeah. Um. So yeah, that's sort of where we leave off, right? Um, is we've got the data and here we go. We've, we've got the data. We visited Navarre and Tilly's the new first officer. Michael's mm-hmm. the chief science officer. We found her mom. We've met the Vulcans and Romulans of Navarre. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot in there. Um, yeah. And not- uh, going, to, going back to what you were saying, I'm, I am really happy with uh, how this episode kind of wrapped up uh, Michael's mini journey of uncertainty where she was kind of just like, not sure, wavering, things like that. I, I'm glad that 
this episode found kind of like a very natural feeling resolution to that. Um, and she has recommitted herself uh, to serving on the Discovery and to serving Starfleet. I thought that um, it felt organic and it was just like, thank God, because it was like, I hate it when people are kind of just like wishy-washy, not sure what to do. Um, and I find it kind of annoying. Um, so when, you know, when she finally kind of found resolution, I was like, thank God. So. Yeah, and I think I think it's a timely occurrence for that because I feel like now we're now we're switching gears and now someone else is going to have a little bit of uh, uncertainty uh, when we discover I think uh, in a few weeks that uh, Kelpians are on this ship and uh, that sort of changes Saru a lot. His his decisions kind of start to to be questionable a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, and there, there's been some interesting speculation. I'm not going to share it here because I don't want to, it's not, not my theory, but, uh, someone, you know, someone has mentioned that maybe, uh, Suru might not be the captain by the end of the season. So it's possible. I mean, like, they, who knows? I mean, yeah, I mean, I know we're not talking about Tower Firma yet, but in Tarot Farmer Part 2, I was like, oh my god, because, you know, Giorgio was saying to Michael that she's, her place is in the captain's chair. I was like, oh my god, so this is not resolved yet. Because I thought we're done. And I was like, I guess not. I guess we're gonna go back to that. At some yeah. point, there, it's still up in the air. Um, yeah. I mean, as long as Saru doesn't leave the show, you know, he cannot leave the show. Um, I'm fine. Well, and that's what I that's what I said earlier, right? Uh, that he's reported for duty for season four, so we already know yeah. that he and Michael are there. So it's it's not. Yeah, that's as long as he stays around, it's fine. Yeah, Doug Jones is also amazing. <laughs> we don't say enough about Doug Jones, but Doug Jones also kills it. Yeah, we you know yeah he really did. I mean his and I think we we didn't really emphasize it too much, but Doug Jones did a great job with with Tarina, the scenes with yeah. Tarina. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and, and I think he also communicates this unease between him and Burnham really well too. Yeah, uh, I don't always agree with what Saru does, but you get the you get you sort of get pieces of that uh saru that we saw in um in an early in an earlier series where oh where jason isaacs was gone and he kind of started comparing himself told the computer to run an analysis on him comparing him to the mm-hmm. other famous captains of the right. of the right. 22nd century so you kind of get this so you see a lot of nuances and we're going to see more because obviously he's kind of undecided and about sharing this information with the Admiral. And we see, I know I thought that was interesting, but we can get into it later. So yeah, maybe we'll try to focus a little bit more on Doug Jones, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, this was a Tilly heavy Michael heavy episode. Yeah. Um, So uh, you know, that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I have on Unification 3. Any other final thoughts? No, I think we covered it. I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything else, but I am pretty sure 
that we covered everything that stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, we did a that was a huge deep dive on that. And yeah, there was a lot to talk about. So, and now now we're gonna switch gears completely and completely and not talk about Star Trek for the rest of this episode <laughs> as we talk about off topic. Yeah. So it's been a while and off topic is sort of our, for those listeners who might not remember or, uh, or new to the podcast, it's it's been so long, but off topic is where we talk about what else we've been consuming Mm -hmm. non Star Trek related. So we shared what we were Star Trekking last episode, this episode, we're doing a little bit of work. Well, it's going to be a lot because we so actually much. have been watching a lot of off-topic uh, shows, so yeah. why don't you start and pick one of the shows that you okay. tell? Let, let's let's do a little bit of tennis here and do okay. some back and forth on what we've been watching, rather than kind of listing it out because we would. Okay, you know, there's so the, much. There's yeah. so much, but let's okay. start with I'll you. Start with one. And you know, I I would try to not go too crazy because i think we can go into off topic for like three hours since there's so much um so i'll keep it well i'll try to keep it high level um so the first thing i talked about like four episodes ago and i finally we finally watched it because it's been that long um is the crown so i found yeah so the crown came out watched all 10 episodes did you guys watch Dennis watched the whole 10 episodes, so I watched the first couple, and then he I, we were, he was watching the last couple, and I watched the last oh, okay, couple, okay. so I, I missed the in-between episodes, so maybe at some point I'll go back and okay. watch the in-between, okay. but go ahead. Um, This season was so good. It was so good, Um, you know, and I think that... Uh, I, I mean, like, there's been, there's already been, um, you know, so much dialogue about The Crown since it came out, like, basically a month ago. So I don't think I need to go too in depth here. Um, but I think that by focusing the season so much um, on Diana and Thatcher and kind of having the season's story, because sometimes The Crown can be a little bit um, like all over the place because they're trying to cover a lot of characters, a lot of different, like, moments in time in stories um like you know it's so good but sometimes it's like they're just trying to cover a lot of bases but here you still have a lot a little bit of that in this season but um like you basically have diana and thatcher as kind of the emotional and narrative anchors for the season where a lot of things are going on involve one or both of them somehow that it served it it helped to ground the season like to ground the storytelling narrative storytelling and the emotional aspects of the season it was so good it was so good i loved it um i mean some people are saying like how accurate it is like historically that is fine but i just thought that as a piece of art like you know in terms of just um television um it was just so well done and i don't remember the name of the actress unfortunately who plays anna but she is just so good she like plays all the different ranges really well from just like naive like 15 year old or whatever how or, or no she's like not 14 she's like 17 or something she, when we first met her um and uh you know to how by the end of the season she's like you know basically stuck in this marriage this loveless marriage 
And, uh, you know, she is just like, she plays all layers so well. I don't know. And she's like fresh out of like acting school. Like, I'm like, this girl is amazing. She's so good. Um, but, and then obviously Jolene Anderson, I mean, like, whatever. She's like a veteran. So she's fine. You know, she, she, she does her job well. Um, it was funny. I was reading an interview uh, with Jolene Anderson because, you know, she, well, she and Peter Morgan broke up just I think that day ago um yeah they broke up um but uh you know Peter Morgan being the executive producer writer director whatever um she was basically like I'm not gonna comment on the script as long as you don't comment on my acting just let me do my thing and I won't say anything about the script or whatever so I thought that you know but she's so good that she doesn't need to be critiqued you know she's just she, she 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 has decided to bring to life her character the way that she sees fit and she's like you either trust me with it or just you know don't hire me um but it was so good the scene was so good and, it, and you know there was just like it hit just so many emotional beats um and one of the things that i was anticipating about the season that was very exciting was this clash between you know elizabeth and thatcher and how these two really strong women in very different positions, how they would deal with each other. And that was great. And they definitely explored that um, in one of the episodes that was about like apartheid or something. And I don't know if you watched that one, but it was so good. So good, you have to like watch it all. Um, but yes, so my, so that's, so that's what I wanted to just touch on the crown season four. Clearly you hated it, so. Clearly, know. clearly. Uh, yeah. No, I, I saw some some of the episodes and they were really good. And Gillian Anderson's performance as Thatcher is phenomenal. I would totally agree. Uh, I think one of the things that stood out, uh, you know, because I did see the beginning and the end, is uh, the the interview they had after Thatcher left and how, you know, yeah. there was a, a mutual respect and mm -hmm. understanding there, uh, which I thought was really powerful. But yeah, Gillian Anderson kills it. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of a uh, lot of commentary on Charles for this season, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, and what what episodes I did watch, uh, I was not impressed with Charles as a as a human being. But but then it was like, but then you're like, wait, is this real? Did that really happen? Because that interview where they were engaged, and then and then you know, a reporter was like oh yeah like you know what's it like to be in love and then charles would say like love whatever that means or something like that and that was legit like legit something he said during a live interview and i'm like oh my god can you at least pretend like i get it but you know like she's right there goodness you know yeah i think i think the uh thing that stood out for me from the what what i did watch of the season was uh just how much everyone advised him to leave Camilla behind and he just couldn't. Uh, right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a tragic love story in that regard, but unfortunately that, that tragedy that, I mean, obviously they're together now. And in fact, I just saw an article a headline in Apple news. I think it was, that said uh, that Williams kids, Williams and Megan's kids, not Megan, um, William and I can't think of her name. Kate. 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 Yeah. William and Kate's kids don't call her grandma. 
So, uh, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how mm. true that is, but um, so yeah, uh, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting portrayal, tragic, kind of a tragic portrayal of him during this time, anyway. And yeah, obviously, probably in the next season as well. I don't know how what they're covering in the next season, but I mean, eventually they'll get to that that tragedy of Diana yeah, dying. That's in the definitely tunnel. gonna be season because each season is basically like a decade so that's going to be the 90s so yeah well so we have the crown so i'm gonna uh i'll jump in here and obviously we just watched it and we talked a little bit about it but uh the mandalorian was so crazy good uh i mean such a great season overall uh and in fact, Amazing. I feel like I read somewhere, I saw somewhere that there is something coming next weekend, next Friday on Christmas Day as well. But I Wait, don't know what? what that is. I don't know. I, I vaguely remember seeing something that there might be a bonus episode what? or something, uh, which oh. would be great because leaving us where they did uh, was, uh, you know, like, what's next? Um, it's so good, though. It was it was a oh great season, and uh, you know, obviously, a ton of accolades to uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau for the work they've done in that show. Yeah, uh, you know, did not expect did not expect the ending of of the final episode, which just aired no. uh, yesterday. Absolutely not. And I mean, like you know, like I'm not like a hater of the sequel trilogy. You know, I I I, I you know a lot of people hated it. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was amazing. You know, I thought it was fine. I thought it was like fine. It was fine. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was fine. Um, I just feel that there was like a lot of potential um, lost, you know, where we just didn't see a lot of what could have been. Um, and I am one of the people that feel that, you know, we didn't really get to see Luke, um, you know, right after Return of the Jedi, like you know, the, the time between um, basically Return of the Jedi and, and The Force Awakens. Force was... Awakens, like, you know, that's like so many years that we just haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and we basically went from Luke starting his journey as a Jedi to him becoming this bitter um, man who has just, you know, he, he's like withdrawn from the himself. force yeah, yeah he's, he's basically from society yeah um and i just felt that there was so much lost opportunity there to explore that yeah um and i feel that this is now now what the mandalorian has started to explore is basically the solve to that and that's what's exciting because like you know there's a, so much history to unearth there um where we can kind of see luke in his prime and we can see the hopeful luke and the Luke that is the teacher, not the student. Um, you know, I think that there's so much potential to on Earth that it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I'm excited too. I I'm gonna miss Grogu though. I mean, honestly, like, I know that relationship. You know, you, that relationship between Jin Darren and and Grogu. You just saw it escalate this season so yeah. much to the point where all didn't. Jin, Jin, Jin. I think it's Jin. Uh, Jin said, or all that all that Jin did was search for someone to hand off the kid to, and in the right. end, 
he got what he wanted, but it's not actually what he wanted right. because he realized there was such a close relationship to right, right, to right. Grogu, and um, so it's uh, and it's also interesting, like looking back at this series, that uh, you know that Ahsoka really didn't know of Luke Skywalker or didn't mention him specifically. Um, so there's this sort of disconnect a little bit. I mean, it does it does kind of speak to a enormous galaxy which this is happening Mm -hmm. in um really enormous galaxy also if you you know if you kind of place things chronologically you know when you see ahsoka she's just probably getting back from her trip with sabine into the the outer reaches to try to find i uh, I didn't really ever watch okay so uh well so this is from rebels actually Okay, I have um, no idea I really watch Rebels. I watched like, season one of Clone Wars, and then that was it. Oh, such good yeah. stuff. I mean, that's really where Dave Filoni kind of came to to life, and, and Rebels was uh, another kind of throw, throw on top of that uh, to pick us deeper. But so, yeah, just, I mean, just an incredible final episode. So Star Wars-y, so everything you kind of hoped for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you see that X-Wing fly into... Moff Gideon's ship you're like you're you're you pause and you think well is that the one starfighter that you saw earlier yeah, I was like, Who is season this? you know you know in the back I mean, of your mind I knew it was gonna be a Jedi and he was gonna be a Jedi but I was like who you know who's who's gonna be and then I you know you, you start to see this Jedi and you see like he has one glove on and like yes that was what I was gonna say like you eventually you you notice that there's only one you see one glove and so you're kind of like okay is this really gonna be who we think it's gonna be and you don't really you know it's you you're kind of you you kind of I think as Star Wars fans we get our hopes up and then we've been Mm. disappointed so often and this was the time where our hopes were high and they went even higher with delivery and uh you know seeing luke as the doors on the bridge open and uh seeing him walk in was just like whoa and and you know i mean this the the cg work bothered me a little bit a little bit like when it distracted me yeah it was all weird but yeah, it was, was distracting, fine. but was um, okay. but it was definitely Mark Hamill acting, uh, mm-hmm. acting it. So uh, you you could kind of tell that his voice wasn't the Luke of, like they probably modulated his voice a little bit between mm-hmm. who he is now and who he was then. But you could tell that it was a little off. But I was okay with it. I was yeah, okay. yeah, it was, it was fine. <laughs> it was you know you're you know yeah you're you're sort of nitpicking here, but. You yeah. know, uh, or I'm nitpicking, but just it was just awesome. And, but yeah. then to leave the show, leave the season, you know, and I had heard about this after season, uh, after the credits scene, and so I thought, oh, we'll get a con- we'll get an idea of what's next, right? Mm-hmm. Completely something different. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, completely something different. So you're kind of left as the last scene of seeing you know, Jindarin and Kara and Bo-Katan on mm-hmm. the, and, and Moff Gideon on the bridge. And that's it. You just see this, yeah. like it kind of, and it ends. And yeah. uh, so, you know, you don't, we don't have any idea where this is going. I mean, they have a, they have now have a Star Destroyer or, you know, a cruiser. 
Yeah. Um, not a Star Destroyer. Um, and uh, obviously Mandalore is the thing, but you've got this whole piece where Bo-Katan doesn't actually have the, the sword, the dark know, saber. Like. And yeah. so there's this whole piece of that, um, which I, I listened to a podcast earlier today and they, they had said that, you know, Sabine had given Bo-Katan the, the yes, dark saber before. So why couldn't she take it this time? Again, very interesting. Um, I don't, hopefully we'll get an explanation of that at some point, but mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, so you kind of left, and I'm like, what are we, what, are, what are we doing now? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you've we've watched two seasons of The Mandalorian, we followed right. him and these characters, um, right. and he's now Grogu less, and yeah. so what? You know, obviously there is this whole idea of freeing Mandalore, but uh, just yeah, so many questions. I mean, yeah. awesome ending, but you're left with what's next? What's right. what's going to happen next? So, um. But again, just an awesome season of The Mandalorian. Yeah. It was, you know, I actually sometimes each week would get them confused and think, oh, is today Star Wars Day and tomorrow Star <laughs> Trek? Or, you know, so yeah. as, a, as a kid who grew up with Star Wars and Star Trek, uh, this was, you know, this past, these past couple of months with both on TV. So good uh is just awesome so yeah yeah. so that's the mandalorian for me and for you but what else have you been what else is on your off topic list so i'm gonna condense it a little bit because i think i need to go soon um because my mom might be like where is this man um but um understandable and we apologize to mom for stealing you away but whatever um so i have not watched the expanse yet so don't talk about it have you seen any of it? No, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, so we don't need to talk about that. Um, but I'm very excited for The Expanse, which I hear the first three episodes is supposed to be, like, amazing. So I'm ready for it. Um, I started to watch The Flight Attendant because everyone's been talking about The Flight Attendant. I've only seen one episode, and I'm, like, not convinced yet. Have you seen any episodes of it? No, I've re- I know I, I, I sort of want to, but I, I just haven't been... Uh, okay. I, I've been watching other things. I'm not really, yeah. Okay. I'm not on board yet, but I have a friend that's been like, it's amazing. And then got renewed for season two. So I'm like, all right, it's on the list. Um, that will eventually, you know, eventually uh, I'll, I'll go through it. Um, the Queen's Gambit. So I know you haven't seen it yet, but you have to watch. She is amazing. She's beautiful, but she's also like a great actress and she has so much presence. Uh, you and Dennis need to watch a show. Um, okay. It's so good. And I am like, people are like, because I'm recommending to people and like, but it's chess. And I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking care about chess. It is not fucking about chess. It's about this person's journey and her realizing her potential, who she is in a world that doesn't respect her because she's a woman. Like, there's all these things, but that's a very short, condensed version. Got it. Uh, But The Queen's Gambit, gotta watch it. Um, And then the other thing that I have watched recently is Alice in Borderland. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. So this is actually, it's a Netflix uh, live action series. Um, I watched all eight episodes in two days. I didn't talk to you about this, but it's based on a manga. 
and I'm like very sometimes I'm very interested in these kind of like manga live action adaptions. Um, the basic premise is that there's these three guys who they're just friends in Tokyo, and they're like um, there's actually this like really cool scene in episode one. So they're basically like in um, Shibuya, which is basically like the Times Square in Tokyo, like crazy amounts of people, and they're just hanging out, and then. It's like this one continuous shot where they you see them like they're basically like crossing Times Square, like their version Times Square, um, like hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, they go in there, they run into like this like public bathroom stall because they're like hiding from the police. And keep in mind, this is one continuous shot. So you see them, you go into the stall with them, and then everyone else just disappears. Like the lights go out. They're like, what happened? They go out and the entire area is empty. And it's, I don't know if they like did a trick with it or if they legit like did this continuous shot, but it is so interesting. And the whole premise is that essentially, um, I don't know if it's your cup of tea, but essentially these three guys are they're not sure if they're transported or if everyone else is transported, but they're like transported to this alternate reality where everyone needs to play games. It's like play, they have to play games to survive. It's like the Hunger Games. Um, I don't know. There's also this other uh, manga anime series called Gantz, which is very similar, where basically these people are like, um, they're transported to this like alternate dimension in order to survive and get through and survive another day they need to like play these games and they're like these like mind games um it's really interesting um i personally really enjoyed it um but yeah i watched like all eight episodes in two days it was great so so gantz was one what was the other one that you what was the one you talked about this is alice in borderland alice in borderland okay yeah all right i was trying to find it in netflix as you were kind of oh there it is okay i mean it's worth probably like one episode if you don't like the first episode it's probably like it's not for you yeah um it is it is violent it is violent okay all right good to know people die brutally so i had to like uh you know just get used to it but um otherwise it was very interesting okay all right so i for me, the other things that I've been watching are kind of on the comedy side. Okay. So uh, we watched, uh, obviously, we watched Shit's Creek. We're kind of on a rewatch again, just as something where we don't know if we don't want to watch, if we don't know what to watch and just need something to veg out to, we pull that up. But we watched and we watched Community. Uh, but we, I kind of stalled the Community once Danny Glover left. Donald, sorry, Donald okay. Glover, not Danny Glover um donald glover left um because him and armin's uh relationship on the show is just phenomenal so we we did watch the show dairy girls because uh it's a it's a british comedy um ireland in the 90s or northern ireland in the 90s okay um and about these this group of friends these girls and then this one english guy who's a cousin of one of the girls who gets uh kind of comes to this area because his mom is kind of a screw up and it's just i mean it's 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 just funny and just ridiculous and both of us laughed at it so 
uh, been doing watching that. I also on older British TV, I, I subscribe to BritBox again because actually a month ago, BritBox, BritBox, it's uh, it's an app, it's a company that has a lot of British TV shows on it. Oh my god. So I, <laughs> I didn't I, know that existed. Yeah, yeah. So I signed up for it uh, actually because on November 23rd was the 55th anniversary of Doctor Who. Okay. So a lot of people watched the original first episode on that oh. on that anniversary. So I actually watched it. Uh, watched some Doctor Who, some classic Doctor Who mm-hmm. on there, and then came across or thought of somehow I thought of Red Dwarf again. And so oh I've been God. watching Red Dwarf. I'm on se- just finishing up series three. There's like 12 or 13 series, um, but they're like six episodes. They're like 25 minutes of just ridiculousness. It's funny. It's just, I think I'm, I've been so stressed out with everything going on that I've needed right. comedy to kind of step outside. Okay, so like, okay. like drama doesn't really, isn't really doing it for me except for Star Trek <laughs> no. and Star Wars. So enough yeah. drama in real life. Uh, so yeah, so I've been watching a lot of comedy. I did, I did watch uh, one more episode of Away. So I'm up. I'm oh, up to, I'm, it's I'm, so long. I know. Uh, so I did watch that. Pick up for season two. So oh, like, it didn't. Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, now, now, now I have to really think of. Now you have even less motivation. Motivation to watch it. Um, yeah. No, that's too bad. Because um, I do like Josh Charles. Uh, but uh, and last night we watched Mulan, which we actually both really enjoyed. So. I didn't mind Mulan. I actually kind of liked it when I watched with my friends. It was more like after I started thinking about it, I, was like, oh, I guess there's some problems with it. But honestly, I, you know, and I'm speaking as a Chinese person, I, right. I, I mean, there was like a little bit, some of the, am I, some of the, like, uh, the Phoenix, I was like, oh my God, I do not need to see the Phoenix for the eighth time. I understand the metaphor. I get it. You do not need to hammer home for me. Um, but overall, I like actually like. Well, it. I think it it kind of took the place of uh, the the animated characters. No, moves and, yeah, yeah. But uh, I didn't mind the phoenix all that much, really. But I, I did hated enjoy... phoenix. It was like my friend uh, was like, "Is this a Pokemon we need to catch?" We keep on seeing it. Like it was just like all over the place. I actually, I just believed it was her spirit animal. That's really what, I mean, how I it referred. Kind of is. It is yeah. right, yeah. 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 But yeah. that's yeah. what I. That's why like no one else could see it. I felt like. Like that was her, like yes, her thing. Yes, so yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I really enjoyed it. I I thought I you know I I don't remember. I probably watched Mulan this year at some point. The the cartoon version. So. I've never seen the animated version. Oh okay. Um, yeah. But so you know I I definitely did watch it uh, and, and I enjoyed it. And I don't know all of the you know obviously the Chinese implications of it. I thought yeah. they dealt with a lot of it pretty well. I mean it was a you know, a predominantly Asian cast. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, we watched that. I think that's pretty much it. Other, you know, I think I've mentioned everything. I can't think of anything else. I'm sure there's more, but you know, we're we're going long here, so we're gonna wrap up for time. Unless there's anything else on off topic that you can think of. No, not off topic. I mean, the only other thing that I've started watching is Voyager. But oh, that's right. Not off yeah. topic. That's that not is off topic. That I'm is Star Trekking. But yes. that's the other thing that's been occupying my time. I was starting like in the middle of Voyager season one. 
so. uh, which is just a hard watch. Fortunately, it's a shorter you know, actually, season. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. I actually okay. like um, you know, I've uh, I'm I've been watching it. I mean, like, there's like things I don't like, and we can talk about it when we dive into what we've been star trekking. But um, I'm like, okay, okay, and like, you know, you remember like Seska, right? Like, oh she, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. now I'm all like, you know, I'm like watching all these because I know that twist is coming. Because that was a huge twist. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's season two cliffhanger. And I'm like, I'm like watching for like the clues. Um, yeah. But, uh, but they actually, weren't, they were the clues probably weren't too obvious or even in there because they, they didn't write, didn't. they weren't writing serialized seasons back then. Really. They were, I mean, yeah. I would love, you know, and I will talk about this some other time, but I would love, you know, if they ever redid a series, Voyager would be great if they redid it in a serialized I agree. Fashion. Like one of the okay, I, again, we're not like going on a whole Voyager tangent. Um, I know we talked about this before, but you know, one of the things that you mentioned when you started to do your Voyager rewatch is how Janeway doesn't really grow much as a character. She's pretty like steady, right? Yeah. I feel it's been so interesting to because one of the things that I feel I am not seeing, given them halfway through season one, is the gravity of her decision to strand her crew in the Delta Quadrant. I feel there would be so much to mind there from a character development standpoint and how that guilt is really a motivating factor um, like in all her decision making and not seeing that. She's like, where's my coffee? You know, like, um, you know, she's a competent captain. She wants her coffee, but you know, I'm just like, they didn't dig deep, you know, they, there have been so many opportunities to really dig into her character because she did make the decision to, because she didn't, you know, the prime director and everything to destroy the characters array and not get right. them home. Um, and I'm like, man, they really could have, there's been so many opportunities there. Well, and they, they, they mine that very selectively on certain episodes and yes. that's it. So it's not but something that you- serialized. If it were, yeah, right. exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, well, I, I think that does it. And, you know, we'll we'll catch people up uh, next time. We'll, we'll go down and visit Deanna's office and sit and talk with her because obviously you dropped some pretty big news at the top of the I show, know, as did I. Um, but it's sort of as a as a caveat or as an addition for everyone to know, like, this is why we've been behind on kind of... Uh, recording these episodes that's why you're only now hearing our thoughts on unification three and I know, I know. we're three episodes more beyond that so but um yeah we've had a lot going on and we are both looking forward to uh to a trip coming up we are going yeah. to go see the star trek tour yeah uh, in upstate new york we're going to go visit the um the original series sets and yeah. we're so well, it's like a recreation of the sense but the, apparently it's done so well that yeah like, so yeah. we're looking forward to that we're doing that next you know in a week uh and uh Very a week-ish excited. yeah so we'll have uh we'll have some of that to share as well but uh yeah so we've got you know there's a lot and and we're we'll be much better about this in 2021 as things kind yes. of settle down and uh will the they? World. Will they? i don't know uh, I don't probably know. not but we'll talk to deanna about more of that next time yeah so johnson how can people share their thoughts on unification three or any of these off topics or maybe even 
they could tell us what they're watching uh, that are non-Star Trek related shows. So where can our listeners yeah. find us? So everyone can email us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. And you can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram at deepspacepride. And if you reach out, we promise to do our best to respond to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Unification 3 or anything you're watching. Or just tell us what's going on in your dramatic lives. Uh, yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, but we thank you all for listening and for, for putting up with our delayed episode recaps and things like that. But we will get back on track and have some new stuff for 2021. Um, and we promise to cover uh, Sanctuary and Terraforma Part 1 and 2 in the near future and whatever else comes after that. So uh, we do only have three episodes left of, of Discovery I know. Uh, for this so season. But uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week. Bye everyone. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.